Welcome to Life at God's Pace podcast. This is episode 10, I believe. Ah, to be honest, I'm not sure what episode this is. Uh, the title of this episode is Lessons Learned in the Wilderness. And really, it is about God's discipline. The reality is, and I think it's a blessed reality, is that God does discipline his children. It's biblical. We'll read a little bit out of Hebrews later on in the in the middle of our podcast, but God's discipline is a very good thing for us. Reminded of the hymn, we're prone to wonder. Even as redeemed believers, we need the hand of God shaping us, the hand of God correcting us. We we need the eternal one to direct our steps along the heavenly highway. God's discipline is part of what we could even call sanctification. I believe one of the marks of a believer is the quest or the thirst or the desire to be more like Jesus. And the only way we can be more like Jesus to grow in Christ-likeness is for the hand of of our Father to discipline us. The writer, of Hebrew remind, he's, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that it's not always pleasant to be disciplined, but the result is it's always a good thing. Now Psalm 90 was written by uh, Moses, most likely I believe near the end of the wilderness wanderings of the children of Israel. And as we mentioned earlier, the generation that was going to cross over into the promised land had witnessed on a regular basis the death of the previous generation who when given the opportunity to trust in God and enter the promised land that first time refused. They refused to heed the godly counsel of Joshua and Caleb. They they took the advice of the other spies and said, we can't do it. This psalm has really highlighted for us the finite nature of mankind at large. We are very limited in all phases of life. No matter how you define life, mankind is limited. We're limited in our ability. We're limited in our knowledge. We're limited in our years. We are finite people. We don't like to be told we're finite or the population at large doesn't like to view themselves as being limited. We tell our kids, we we see mantras that says, you can do anything you want. You can be anything you want to be. That's a lie. That's a lie. We cannot. And so this psalm is really highlighted, first of all, that we are very, very finite and that God is infinite. Only God is able to do what he pleases, Psalms 115.3. Now we're going to close out our study in Psalm 90 today by looking at verses 13 through 17. Really, we could really include verse 12. So I'm going to back up and read verse 12, although I really won't mention it much after the reading. Psalm 90, 
verses 12 through 17. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of your hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of your hands. The focus of these verses is really asking God to bless them. I, I would even argue that it is a it is a prayer to ask God to restore his blessings on the children of Israel. This is the cry of a group or individual who has tasted the hand of discipline. They have experienced the discipline of God, and they did indeed experience that in their wilderness wanderings. Now, this, this, these people who had tasted the hand of God felt the hand of discipline on them, now long to enjoy the blessings of a covenant relationship. Verse 13 captures the heart of mankind in general again. We, we long not for the sufferings. We long not for the sufferings of life. We want them over, done, move on, have some happy times. <laughs> in fact, we want our suffering to be over, or we want the discipline of God to be over before it even starts. God's discipline is indeed difficult at times. And we do fret like a child put in time out, not attempting to learn from the hand of the Lord, but only wanting to enjoy His blessings. As I said earlier, the writer of Hebrew remind, Hebrews reminds us in Hebrews 12, 11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. <clears throat> Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. I'd encourage you to, to read Hebrews 12, 4 through 11 later on. One of the things, I'm not sure there's a way to determine how long discipline will occupy our life. There's not, God doesn't put a date on the calendar. He doesn't say from 7 to 9 uh, p.m. you're going to experience discipline or from, from July the 15th through August the 13th you will be disciplined. God doesn't operate that way. The length of the discipline is not a concern for God. But we can be sure of this, that God will faithfully discipline us in the proper way and with the proper means. In fact, I would argue that one of the, one of the cries that we've experienced and are learning from the hand of God, learning from His discipline, is what is what is recorded in verses 13 through 17. Could these verses really teach the heart of a child of God who's experienced discipline as now 
gained a better understanding of God's work in their life? These closing verses appear to be from that heart that's learned much in the wilderness. It would be nice for us to reflect what can we learn in our wilderness? What can we learn when we are disciplined by God? Well, number one, verse 13, as I just hinted at it, the length of our difficulties are not as important as the presence of God. The length of our difficulties or the length of the discipline or whatever else it may be that we are not comfortable with, suffering, and not all suffering would be considered a discipline, but all suffering is used by God. So the length of our difficulties are not as important as the presence of God. I don't know about you, but it's natural to wonder how long things will last. Sometimes those who hear me preach wonder how long. We mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. We talked about the length of things. We, 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 are, we are designed that way, or at least I am. If you tell me how long something is, I can handle it better. I'm not saying it's wrong to wonder how long things may last, but I am saying that the desire should not be greater than the presence of God. Our impatience should not be out of inconvenience for us, but out of the desire to fellowship with us. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said in his commentaries on the Psalms, his writing on the Psalms in the treasury of David, let me read this quote. I, I thought it was so important to what I'm arguing this in this podcast. Spurgeon writes, As sin drives God from us, so repentance cries to the Lord to return to us. And so what, what we're looking at in these length of days, it, it's not as important as the desire, as, as the fellowship, even under the discipline uh, in the presence of God. Sin has brought us under the hand of God. Now the Spirit, now the Holy Spirit, causes us to cry for God's mercy. Turn and have compassion on your servants, one writer said. The second thing I want you to see in, in these verses is the thirst of our soul is greater than the thirst of our flesh. This is a mark of someone who's learned under the disciplining hand of God that our soul, our heart, our mind it is set on the things above. We desire that thirst is greater than the thirst of the flesh. I found this in verses 14 through 15. You might ask, what is the thirst of the soul of a what, what is the thirst of a repentant sinner? What does our soul thirst for? It is the mercy of God. There, there may be numerous things, but here in these verses, it is the mercy of God. This is the soul of a this is the thirst of a battered soul, the cry of a heart finding hope in Jesus. We, we stand at the cross of Jesus. We gaze upon that cruel cross. We now find beautiful. And we look and consider that Jesus died for us. He endured the, the wrath of God so that we may receive the mercy of God. And there is that great joy found in the grace and mercy. There is a song that comes from 
the forgiven. Our joy is not in good fortunes of life or, or even peaceful days. Our rejoicing and our gladness is that we are recipients of grace and mercy. The children of Israel that were about to cross the Jordan were not better than the previous generation that died, but they were simply recipients of the grace of God. They thirst for the mercy and the grace of God. They long to see God at work. And we see this when they cry out, Satisfy us. Make us glad. And then finally in verses 16 through 17, the work of mankind cannot compare to the work of God's eternal work. The work of mankind, our work, the work of our hands, cannot compare to the, the work of God's eternal work. We live 70, 80, 90 years, and many of those years we're working. And, we, and some of us are able to produce wonderful things. Preachers write sermons. People who work with their hands build things or repair things. And, and, and that's good, but, but all of that ends one day. But I ask you, when you look at verses 16 through 17, what work? What was the work that was on the heart of Moses? What is his cry? Let your work be shown to your servants. Let, let the favor of the Lord be upon us and establish the work of your hands upon us. What, what is that? I think it was the work of bringing them into the promised land. It was the promise that God had made and, and, and the work would be the fulfilling of that promise. Let me read this extended quote from Kinder from his Tyndale commentary. He said, The crowning contrast is between what was seen as perishable, and he says in verses 3 through 12, and the abiding glory of what God does. Here is a heritage for our children in a transitory world. Here is delight. Here, too, the possibility of a labor that's not in vain. Not only God's work will endure, but with His blessing, the work of our hands as well, when it's given to God. It has been worth facing the unwelcome facts of time, wrath, and death to have been moved to such a prayer and such an assurance. What are we asking here? It is, it is the work that... Uh, that God would do a great work in us and that He would use our, our finite uh, things that we do for eternal glory, that, that in heaven and even in this world, that in heaven here, uh, there, and earth here, uh, that what we do would result in an everlasting cry of God is glory, that the exaltation of Jesus would be our chief passion. So sum it all up, Psalm 90, I chose this verse to begin my podcasting because it is a chapter that teaches us that we are finite, God is infinite, and it teaches us that living at God's pace leads, uh, leads believers into eternity. eternity. Living life at God's pace is an eternal race that in one aspect we'll never finish yes we'll reach the finish line we'll be glorified but even in heaven we will spend all of eternity resting and working for the glory of God 
behooves us to close with this question. What race are you running? Are you running for self-glory? Are you running for God's glory? Let's close in prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this beautiful psalm. I pray that we would reflect on it more and more each day and that we would we would desire to do those things that bring eternal glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.